Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. Will you join me in a spirit and attitude of prayer? Yes, God, our hearts are full as we've gathered for worship today. God, we confess it has been a busy and perhaps even chaotic few weeks as we celebrate the holiday season and all that comes with it. And so we give thanks, God, for this hour and for this place that have been set apart, that we might rest in your goodness and your grace, that we might know again the promises of your love and care. God, we pray that you would speak today through the songs of worship, through our shared celebration, through our giving of tithes and offerings for our gathering around these sacred and ancient words. Surely your Spirit is present among us, speaking to us, speaking through these acts of worship. May that continue to be the case as our hearts are lifted up and knit together according to your will. These things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Joy does not arrive with a fanfare on a red carpet strewn with the flowers of a perfect life. Joy sneaks in as you pour a cup of coffee, watching the sun hit your favorite tree just right. And you usher joy away because you're not ready for it. Your house is not as it must be for such a distinguished guest. But joy cares nothing for your messy home or your bank balance or your waistline. Joy is supposed to slither through the cracks of your imperfect life. That's how joy works. You cannot invite her. You can only be ready when she appears and hug her with meaning. Because in this very moment, joy chose you. By Donna. Ashworth. Those first two Sundays of Advent are always a little bit odd and confusing. They, they come to us at a weird time. We're, we're celebrating Christmas and we're, we're celebrating Thanksgiving and we're preparing to celebrate Christmas, starting to decorate. And we get that message from the apocalyptic Jesus about the, the end of time and about how we need to prepare and to be ready and to stay on watch. And then that second Sunday of Advent, last week we get our, our annual visit from John the Baptist and and this year we read from, from Mark, he didn't use this verbiage this year, but, but often we read where John the Baptist tells the people who are coming to him, he says, you brood of vipers, right? <clears throat> what a warm, encouraging Christmas message, right? You brood of vipers, <clears throat> come to be baptized for repentance and for the forgiveness of sins. Those first two Sundays of Advent are meant to sort of wake us up and snap us out of our usual patterns to remind us that we're, we're waiting on the final and the eternal victory of Christ Jesus and we ought to be ready to remind us that we've been called to live a life of repentance and fruitfulness, especially as we prepare to celebrate Christmas. But at the same time, those two Sundays are a little bit unsettling, if not uncomfortable. Today, the mood changes. You can see there a little note on the front of your bulletin. You may have noticed, you may have wondered. We talked last week about the purple decorations and the purple candles that are for penitence, a season of penitence, not unlike the season of Lent. But today, the third Sunday of Advent, we light the pink candle. The pink candle signifies that today is supposed to be a little bit different. Something is different today. 
This is the day of joy as we begin to celebrate and to tune our hearts toward Christmas. And so in the tradition of the church, the Latin tradition, this is Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete is a Latin word meaning joy, rejoice. The Latin word from the, the Greek word in the New Testament, rejoice again, I say rejoice. And so today we rejoice by lighting the pink candle. I hope your hearts are starting to experience the joy of Christmas. If you weren't already aware, it's only seven days away, right? So it's time we start to get ready. Today I want to talk about the joy of our faith, particularly the joy we experience in Advent and Christmas through the lens of the Mary story. Today we read almost the the entirety of that opening chapter of the Christmas story, and it has three different scenes, right? There's the visit from the angel, there's the conversation with Elizabeth, and then there's the song that Mary proclaims at the end. Each of those uh, scenes deserve their own sermon, their own Bible study, uh, so we're not going to dig as deeply into them as perhaps we could. We're going to try to say a little something about each one of them, but I think all three of them are, of course, important, and so I hope to highlight them for you today. If you're not familiar, I hope you learn a little verbiage today. The first scene that we read is famously called the Annunciation. The Annunciation, Luke 26, uh, Luke 1, 26 through 38. The Annunciation, of course, is the announcement that the angel makes as it comes to Mary. And so we just read that text. You've heard it many times. The angel sort of comes out of nowhere, right? Mary, greetings, good news, do not be afraid, for you are favored and you have been chosen to bear the Son of God. It's a curious thing about the Christmas story. I mean, we have some sense from the Old Testament that there would one day be a Messiah, but, but the Christmas story here kind of, it just, out of nowhere, right? We're not really given a, a great insight into why God chose this time. We know that Mary has some unique qualities about her. She's favored. She apparently is particularly faithful, and, and she's worthy of this task, but it's, it's kind of out of nowhere that God shows up. I, I was looking through different images to use for the sermons. Uh, these today all come from the same painter. His name was Henry Tanner. He was African-American in Philadelphia, late 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, this one particularly is, 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 is really moving because the angel has no figure or shape and because Mary looks particularly young. And so imagine this glowing fireball, this presence of God that comes to a a young girl with no indication or expectation that this was about to happen. Out of nowhere, the Christmas story begins and chooses Mary, the holy servant, to, to bear the Son of God, our Savior. God's timing is a, a curious thing. When we read the Christmas story today and next Sunday over the next few weeks, we, we will wonder why Mary... Why Joseph? Why now? And frankly, we, we don't get a lot of answers to those, those things. We, we know that, that God is eternal from beginning to end, that God is sort of over and above time, and yet the story of Christmas is the story of God breaking into time through the incarnation in Jesus Christ in this moment, in this day with these people, with Mary and Joseph. And so though we may know the story well, we should be reminded today that this is really a story of surprise and apocalypse and a little bit of chaos. Out of nowhere, the angel arrives and scares Mary and she says, how could this possibly be? And the angel says, well, there's really nothing that's impossible with God, so you don't need to worry about that. And she says, okay, I guess I'm up for it. 
you all know uh, me well enough now. I've confessed to you many times that I'm a little bit obsessive about the calendar. Um, Jill's nodding over here. The staff are nodding as well. The family calendar, the staff calendar, the church calendar. I'm very anxious about that, all right? They're all color-coded. I look at that app more than any other app. I try to schedule things out perfectly so we don't have too many conflicts and everyone's able to be where they need to be when they need to be there. That kind of wears on me this holiday season. It's not just the calendar, it's other things too. It's big things like when is the perfect time in our life, right? When is the perfect time to to get married or to change jobs or to have children or to sell our house or build a house? And these big questions. I don't know about you, but it, it gives me anxiety to get the timing just perfect. We're reminded here at the beginning of the Christmas story that Some of the best things that come to us in our life, including, of course, the good news of Jesus Christ, is God's work on God's time, which is often a surprise to us. One commentary I read this week called called it a holy disruption, right? A holy disruption. And I wonder about your life. If you could think of some times where God did something new and surprising and strange and interrupted your color-coded calendar and your expectations about how things must go. That's kind of where the Christmas story begins. This is good news on God's time, which is often unexpected and surprising to us. And yet here God is, showing up and doing a new thing. The second scene in the story of Mary is often described with these words, the visitation. The visitation. Now I should begin by saying, um, you know, there, I should tread lightly, right? This is a story about... Uh, two women who were, who were in a very unlikely circumstances expecting uh, to have children. And so this is not necessarily a story a man should talk about too much. In fact, I read some, some commentaries written by women this week to help highlight some of what's going on here. One particular professor, a New Testament professor, she, she talked about the way in which Mary and Elizabeth are sort of coming together here, maybe in, in shame and fear. We can think about the young Mary who's just found out she's going to bear a child, and of course there's a, there's a real obvious problem. She's not yet married. She's still a virgin. And so there was, there was obviously going to be some questions around this, right? Even Joseph questions, how could this be, right? Her parents, her family, her friends, the, the social network that supported her maybe is, is not entirely there for her, and so she's feeling some, some shame and anxiety. In the visitation, Mary goes to see Elizabeth, someone who might understand. Because Elizabeth sort of has the opposite problem. Instead of having an unexpected pregnancy early in life, Elizabeth has been unable to have children. And we know as as other biblical stories uh, speak to this moment, that's a a source of shame and, and maybe anxiety for a woman who's not able to have a child. And so now she's pregnant, but it's much later in life. And so they sort of meet under these odd circumstances. And, and maybe feelings of shame and fear, what are other people saying and thinking? So they kind of find each other. Maybe they find in each other someone who can understand and appreciate what they're going through. You've probably heard of Brene Brown. She's a, a, a psychologist and a counselor, and she does a lot of speaking and has written books. She, she talks a lot about shame, and she calls shame the swampland of the soul. The swampland of the soul, because when we feel shame, uh, we feel like there's something wrong with us, that we're not wanted or, or, or needed. But she says the, the cure for shame is empathy, Right? The cure to help us get over our shame is to find someone who, who can put themselves in our shoes, someone who understands what we're going through. And when we find someone who understands what we're going through, they confirm to us that we're not crazy, we're not broken, there's not something wrong with us, right? And so there's no reason to feel the shame. 
I think uh, Brene Brown's work really kind of highlights what's going on here with Mary and Elizabeth. And so you see as, as Mary arrives, the, the baby in Elizabeth's womb begins to jump for joy. This is, of course, John the Baptist. And so they're having like a little, I don't know, a little party there in the womb, right? Uh, and then she says, mother of my Lord has come to me. And so, so Elizabeth gets excited that this is, this is Jesus. This is the Messiah that will be born to Mary. It's a real important scene because Mary's perhaps shame and fear now transition to joy and blessing. Right? Mary goes to the older Elizabeth and says, I don't know what's going on here, but I think I'm having a baby from God. And Elizabeth says, yes, this is great. This is wonderful. The Holy Spirit is with you. You are blessed and favored. So I think the second lesson from Mary's story is that, that the joy that we hopefully know and experience in Advent and Christmas and in our life of faith, the joy that we long for is often uh, multiplied as it's shared with others the joy of a life of faith is multiplied as it's shared with others in other words it's not just a coincidence it's not just a just a happenstance that God has called us together as church members as church people that God calls us together uh, Sunday each day each week uh, together together for worship but but weekly activities and, and times of loss and heartache and grief, but also moments of celebration and hope. That the joy of our faith is multiplied. The grief we experience is diminished as we share it with one another. I think that's one of the themes here in the visitation story. That we go from shame and fear to joy and blessing. And then the last part of this story, the story of Mary, is often called the Magnificat. So you, you've got three phrases to learn today, right? The Annunciation, the Visitation, and then finally the Magnificat. This is Luke 1, 46 through 55. I want you to maybe think back and remember if you can. I, I have some of these memories so, so crystal clear. It's funny the things that stick in your mind over the years. I want you to think back to maybe middle school or elementary school or junior high, maybe senior high, whenever it was for you, uh, when the science teacher got out the microscopes, the real microscopes. And I remember those little glass platelets and, we, and the and little glass plates, and we had to learn to, to position the slides. And I think we had, you know, little slivers of, of grass and leaves. Uh, I think there was a cork that we sliced off a little bit of. And if I remember correctly, someone was brave enough to prick a finger, and we had some blood on a, on a slide that we could look at. And I, and I don't know about for you, but for me, the first time looking through a, a really good microscope and seeing all the things that are happening underneath the surface, right? And seeing white and red blood cells and platelets, uh, seeing those little bubbles of, of chloroplast, right? That's just sort of a mind-blowing thing, right? To realize that the world that we know and experience, the world that's on the surface, that's just the beginning, right? That there's so much more underneath at work all the times, holding our body and our lives and our world together, right? That microscopic world that needs to be magnified. Remember that image because that is the same word that Mary uses to describe this moment. She's been visited by the angel. She's confirmed the hope she's experienced with Elizabeth. And now Mary sort of steps out and on her own sings a, a prayer, a praise song back to God. My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. Like a microscope that magnifies a leaf or magnifies droplets of blood, my soul magnifies the Lord. There's something in my soul that is happening now by the power of God that is helping me to better understand, to see more closely 
who I am and, and who God is and what God is doing in the world. Mary goes on to sing this, this song. We sometimes think of Mary as kind of meek and mild and young, but she sings this incredibly provocative and powerful song, right? She says, my soul magnifies the Lord, and we remember all that God has done, how God has, has worked with his strong hand from generation to generation. You can hear kind of in Mary's song similar words to what we just read from Isaiah, right? That God has carried us through times of, of trial and tribulation and, and exile and, and slavery. God has always been near to us. My soul magnifies all that God is and all that God has done. And now God's surprising work continues in this moment. My soul magnifies the Lord. The Lord lifts up the poor and the hungry and sends away the rich and the proud. This is the way God has been at work through generations. And now God continues here in this moment. My soul magnifies the Lord. We learn from Mary that Christmas is God's work. It is God's doing, the choosing of Mary, the birth of the Christ child, the the things that will unfold as we read the Christmas story. It's God's work. It's not human's work. And yet we humans have been given this incredible opportunity to partner and respond with what God is doing in the world. And Mary teaches us the, the most appropriate thing we can do, right? The main thing we do at Christmas is what? We We sing. This joy that has been given to us in the Christ child, this joy that is magnified in our soul in this holy season, what possibly could we do to respond to to God's work in the world? Well, we we sing a song. So Mary's kind of a, a worship leader here in this moment, lifting up her voice and inviting generations of Christians after her to join in singing our praises to God. So the songs we've sung today, the songs we will sing on Christmas Eve, the, the, the Christmas radio you've been listening to, your, listening to in your car, it's not just fun or happy feelings. It's sort of a, it's a deep-rooted Christian response. God has done this surprising and strange thing. How should we respond? We sing forth with the joy in our hearts. My soul magnifies the Lord. Today on this third Sunday of Advent, as we begin to look very closely... Uh, toward Christmas as it's moving uh, quicker and quicker. We'll be here soon. We remember the story of Mary and how she positions herself and how she invites us to respond in a similar way. The surprising good news of God. Forgive us when we try to calendar our lives or schedule God's work in the world. This is God doing a new thing on God's schedule. The joy that is shared and multiplied as we bring our lives together here in the community of faith. Not just keeping our blessings to ourselves, but compounding them alongside one another. And so what shall we do with this joy and this good news? We join Mary in her song. We sing back to God, giving thanks to God for all that God has done, including in this moment that is Christmas. This is our hope and our joy. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we give thanks today for the faithfulness, the unlikely servant that is Mary, for her willingness to receive this surprising good news, for the confirmation and hope she received through Elizabeth and through her joyful song, My Soul Magnifies the Lord. God, may we see in Mary an example of those of us who continue to celebrate the Christmas story 
and prepare again to receive that good news this week. Help our hearts to be surprised at your grace and love. Help us share that joy with others every chance we get. And may we respond with a song on our lips and in our hearts. These things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hello. Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at www.fumcparacle.org. May God bless you this week.